Alright, so, hello Gunner, hello everybody, we are back again, I, I past couple episodes, a uh, couple episodes ago, we had Mike Bursell and uh, Nathaniel McCallum from Profian uh, tell us about confidential computing, and uh, it just so happened that Mike uh, wrote a book on trusted computing and, and trust in computer systems, and we wanted to do a uh, a whole session just on that because it's like I got it. He gave me a copy of the book. I read it cover to cover. Really enjoyed it. Uh, gave it five stars. And um, yeah, no, I really, I really liked it. And um, so we got him back, and he's going to tell us all about the book and how he got there and and everything. But um, you know, Mike, welcome to the show. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, so it's good to be back. And I also know that I can find you at ggshow.org as well if I ever need any information about it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like you and Dan Walsh. It's it's your homepage. Uh, so every time you find a new browser tab, you're taken right there. Um, so that's that's the way to do it. Yeah. So, you know, when when you told me you wrote a book on trust, I'm like, okay, that 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 can't be a long book. Um, and and you know, it would be you know, it's like wow, it's like what what it could be done pretty quickly. Right. And, but it was a, a fairly sizable tome and for good reason too, it, it really went into detail and it's not like, um, you know, it's a textbook, um, you know, which, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, and, it, and it's, so, it's aimed, it's aimed at sort of university folks or, or professionals really. Um, yeah. that was, that was where, where I, I did it. And you're right. I, when I first thought about writing, writing, I thought, is there enough? And it turned out to be the opposite problem, right? I had to actually make sure I didn't write too much because otherwise yeah. the uh, the publishers are going to get upset. Right, right. So what you know? So why? So number one, uh, you know, I think we all are having our bucket list. Yeah, I'm going to read a book one day. Um, and and I'm sure <laughs> that that probably had something to do with it. Um, but why write a book? And and why on trust? Yeah, well, I've written a few um, a completely unpublished uh, young adult fiction books, so uh, I knew I could write words. But um, yeah, I simple answer to the question is I was at a, a conference. In fact, it was a Red Hat Summit conference. I don't know how many years ago now, three, four years ago. And I attended a, uh, a session and I got so angry in the session that I thought, I'm going to write a book because I think I actually know something about this. Um, and we have a problem in the industry. My my view is that we just don't know how to talk about trust. We talk mm-hmm. we it, we use the word a lot, but we don't really know what we mean about it. And if you get you know three or four people, you know, computer folks in a room to talk about trust, they'll come up with six or seven different uh, definitions if they can even come up with definition at all. And <clears throat> it's something I've been thinking about for you know getting on for twenty years now. And uh, yeah, about twenty years ago, I was uh, without a job for seven months or so, and I. I thought about doing a, 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 a PhD mm-hmm. um, on on sort of authority and trust and how these little things all fit together in kind of different field. And I did a lot of reading up about it and sort of social sciences. And so when I started thinking about it from this point of view, I, I realized that actually a lot of the thinking I've been doing had gelled into a, a sort of definition and a, a starting point. And that a lot of the work I've done in security, you know, as, as a security guy the last 25 years, 
it just just fitted together. And there have been a few, you know, areas of time over over the last maybe seven, eight years when I've thought, you know, yeah, this is this is an important thing. And mm-hmm. and I wish I wish I could find a book about it that someone had written that I liked, and I just couldn't. So I thought, okay, right, well, I'm gonna write it. So I uh I, I immediately after the uh after the session, I went to my boss who had been at the session as well, and I said, I'm gonna write a book if that's okay. He said, Yes. I said, Don't let me say I'm not gonna do it. Then I went to another very good friend, uh, Jen White Kudra, actually, who's uh, right. recently joined us at Profian. And I told her as well. And I said, I'm going to write a book. Don't let me not do it. So I thought I told two people who will hold me to it. And that was it. That was that, That's how it started, really. Yeah. Well, the, well, the funny thing you said is that, uh, like, just now, is that, uh, you know, you asked, what, 10 people, the definition of trust, and you probably get, like, 11 different definitions back. Yeah. And and so it's like, you know, like you're reading the book and I'm like, and there, you had one chapter about everybody different. Everybody has a different definition. And then I'm like, yeah, but I bet NIST has their one definition and it's done. Right. And uh, you proved me wrong. Oh, yeah. No, they've got loads. They can't decide what trust <laughs> is either. And I think partly because, you know, no, but we tend not to think of it as a primitive and that's because it's a difficult mm-hmm. thing. I, you know, I trust it or I don't trust it. We treat something as a binary. And the more you look into it, the less, the, the more it's clear that trust is not a binary thing. Right. And how you establish trust and how you maintain trust is really, really important. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I start, I start the book by saying I trust my brother and my sister with my life, mm-hmm. uh, which is true, but. It, I then go say, look, my brother's a doctor and I trust him to do a whole bunch of stuff. And my right. sister is a dive instructor and I trust her to do a completely different set of stuff to save my life. And mm-hmm. so, but those are completely different contexts. What's more, you know, it's not, it's not a symmetrical relationship. It's not as if my brother trusts me to do doctoring stuff to him or my sister trusts me to do, you know, diving stuff with her. And the other thing is that one of the contexts is time in that, you know, my sister actually hasn't practiced as a dive instructor for how many years. So should should my trust in her skills have waned a bit? Yeah, probably should. Right. Um, So as soon as I started thinking about that, I I tried to work out how to fit it all together. And yeah, NIST NIST has a number of uh, of suggestions and, and there's some really useful bits out there. What I wanted to do is come up with something that built on foundations of actually the social sciences and say, well, here's how people have talked about trust and authority, but fit it together with these definitions we're seeing from NIST and from another set of, you know, some lots of very good thought there and see if we can form something that looks like it's the beginning of something we can use for discussions and write foundations of a, a way to talk about trust as an industry. Uh, because, you know, we spend so much of our time running computer programs on machines. And what does it say to to mean to say, I trust that computer program or I trust that machine or I trust the organization that's running those or the organization which is running those for another. It it gets really complex and there's just, there's just isn't the language. And so that's what it's not a perfect book in so many ways. There's already bits I'd rewrite now, but at least hopefully it gives us the starting point. And that was the intention. Yeah. Well, the other thing you mentioned about uh, trust in the book is that, you know, you trust people, you could trust companies, uh, you know, and and also uh, 
you trust systems and computers and this, mm. you know, do companies trust each other? Do systems trust each other? Do companies trust systems? Do people trust systems and companies yeah. and all that? Do you, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, and what does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. when I say I trust my bank, do I? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I bet that 50 years ago, when you said you trust your bank, what you meant is you trust the bank manager because you'd go to a mm-hmm. a physical bank and you trusted the, the man or the woman, probably the man 50 years ago, often mm-hmm. more often than not, and you trust him. And But what does it mean to say that you trust the bank? Um, you know, do you trust uh, the, the app on your phone mm-hmm. um, to be an agent of the bank? Uh, you know, if you think of an agent in terms of, um, you know, someone who represents your your rights to a publisher or, um, you know, as, as an actor or something, um, they have agency for you. They are they are empowered to, to do things for you, a bit like mm-hmm. a lawyer can be empowered to sign stuff for you, for instance. Um, uh, am I saying that I trust the app on my phone to, um, you know, to do the things that the bank is? And when I say that, Am I transferring all of my trust to the app, or are there some things I wouldn't trust it to do? Mm-hmm. Um, are there some things which the bank thinks I shouldn't trust to the app? Well, yeah, probably. Right, I don't. I don't um, set up new mortgages over the app. Right. I might do it over a website, but I'm not going to do it over the app. And but why is that? What does that mean? Is it that that trust is is complex and has different contexts and varies over time? Well, yes, all of those things. And often when we say I trust this or that person or organization or system, we're we're using human words to describe a very, very complex thing. Mm -hmm. And that's fine most of the time as humans. But if you want to talk about how computer systems trust each other or how you can define your trust in a computer system, you've got to be more exact than that. You just mm-hmm. can't say, you know, what, um, you know, my browser trusts this web server um, or um, this, um, I don't know, this bank app trusts this, uh, uh, the, the stock price server. Mm-hmm. To do what? In what circumstances? Uh, and you know what happens if the trust is you know starts to go away if things huh, you know there's so many different things how do you build trust how do you maintain trust how do you define it and, and that's what i wanted to try and at least start doing mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and and you mentioned it earlier about the trust uh diminishing or or it changes over time too yeah where um you know like like with your your sister with her uh, scuba certification and if she's not if she hasn't done it for a while she may be rusty or you know the, your yeah. level of trust could go down based upon that and and i'm sure that's why people have continuing education and recertifications and all that to mm-hmm. make sure that that trust is maintained yeah and uh, but you could say the same thing about computer systems um mm-hmm. and for a variety of reasons the most simple of which is that um, we used to talk about bit rot, right, about mm-hmm. how systems didn't maintain as well over time. But these days we're so well aware of the fact that, you know, new vulnerabilities are discovered that you didn't know about before. So mm-hmm. if I'm using version 1.0 of my bank app that I downloaded five years ago, I should probably be trusting that a heck of a lot less than, mm-hmm. you know, the, than the version that I've just uploaded um, or downloaded. Sorry. Um 
also, you know what, maybe I trust my phone less if it's been um, on for five days, particularly if I've been possibly hostile environment. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, DEF CON, but you don't want to be, yeah, you don't want to be turning on Bluetooth at DEF CON or Wi-Fi. In fact, possibly even having it on at all. But, you know, so maybe my uh, my trust in that phone should be degraded. If I, you know, under certain circumstances. So even the system, I'm, I'm need to be thinking about trust. And if it, the more we think about it, how, you know, the more it feels obvious that you shouldn't trust, have the same level of trust in a system over time. Now there are times, times actually when your trust may improve. Actually, it's not always a a negative thing. Maybe you know you started off not trusting a system to give you very good, I don't know, weather forecasts, right? Mm-hmm. But actually, the weather forecasts to be giving you over time have been getting better and better. Maybe due to some um, better data it's getting. Maybe due to a better algorithm. Uh, maybe it. I don't know what, what but it, maybe that's actually an occasion when your trust should be going up and that's acceptable too but the point is that time should always be one of the contexts that you think about when you're defi- deciding whether to trust something or not mm-hmm. and I don't trust my phone weather app to um to give me uh you know meteorological um uh, for for flight plans, right? That's not what it's about. So the context, even within that, is is restricted. But it may be really good at telling me the the likely rainfall over my house in the next four to five days. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, for sure. Uh, so you know, a lot of times, you know, when people talk about trust, it's like, oh, well, you know, uh, w- what about like the blockchain? And that's like. That's something we can implicitly trust. Or, or what's your what's your take on the blockchain? You almost use exactly the right word there. And it, <laughs> my problem with the with the with the blockchain is that it, there's this in the initial white paper by who knows who wrote it. I'm not going to even mm-hmm. speculate on that. I'm not not foolish. I've got any lawsuits against me. There's this suggestion that um, you can have you could do without trust um, and. Uh, the the problem with that is that um, it's not explicit what you're trusting or not trusting. What blockchains do, let's just talk standard, uh, let's talk cryptocurrency blockchains like Bitcoin for now, right? Mm-hmm. What they're really good at doing is saying, you know what, you don't need to have uh, a trust relationship with a centralized fiat authority to do manage cash, Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what you don't need to trust. You're not trusting in that thing. But saying that it's a trustless system is, I think, not only wrong, but dangerous. Because, yes, there's absolutely trust. At the very basic level, you've got to trust the crypto mm-hmm. that is protecting um, the data in the chain. Right. That means also you've got to trust the crypto libraries that uh that generated the stuff the crypto libraries you're using then to check that it was correctly generated mm-hmm. the entropy generators um that created the randomness that was probably part of the of that crypto as well um the systems that put you know there's so many different mm-hmm. bits and pieces mm-hmm. uh the protocols the implementations all of those sorts of things and i much prefer um, and I, I transfer this to a, another context I expect we'll talk about in a minute, the phrase explicit trust. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that blockchains have a huge amount of really useful and interesting things. In fact, I think they're more interesting if we can be explicit about what bits are trusted to do what and what bits aren't. Because then you can also start talking about um, permissioned blockchains, um, mm-hmm. which are you know used between banks and that things. Say, so, okay, what does bank one trust bank two to do? Mm-hmm. What does it not trust bank two to do? And vice versa. Rather than saying, oh, yeah, it's all trusted, it's fine, which which never is. And banks and people know about this. But if you've got a language to discuss this, suddenly you can have create much more um, uh, interesting uh, and, and effective systems and, and trust policies and trust domains than if you pretend that it's just zero trust. Oh, and I said it. Okay, fine. fine. Oh, yeah. I kind of yeah, did, so, I kinda did well, because it takes us. I, well, I was going to ask you if uh, if somebody has fully implemented zero trust, they don't need to buy your book. <laughs> so, <Right>? so <clears throat> zero trust, as it was first defined, is a great idea. Mm-hmm. It's better, I think, called explicit trust because what zero trust, in its most basic form, um, says is you know what each single component has to be the arbiter, the decider of what trust relationships it should uh it should should create it starts from an assumption of not trusting anybody zero trust mm-hmm. so that's actually a great idea i love that mm-hmm. the problem is it's just not true it's not it's not accurate that's the problem right. because you know when you say you don't trust anybody the first thing you're going to do is to start making decisions about which components to trust right mm-hmm. because you that's yeah how do you make those decisions? The answer is you came with some rules. So you have to trust those rules. Mm-hmm. Now, that's fine, but let's not call it zero trust. Let's call it ex- explicit trust. And also, I, I, again, I think one of the things that we uh, often do wrong, and I don't think it's the fault of the people who came up with the idea of zero trust, because I think they got this right, but I think it's the way that you know industry has taken it on as a buzz, for, buzz phrase, right? Is that we're going to say, okay, I've decided that I'm going to, that my component is going to trust this other component. But what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Does it mean I'm going to, for the, in perpetuity, trust this other component to give me exact uh, stock prices in real time? What does real time mean? What does exact mean? Mm-hmm. Um, can I? What happens if it's compromised? How can I be sure it's being compromised, um, or that it's not being compromised? And again, I think that actually building zero trust systems, as they kind of currently thought about, is a really interesting thing to do. But I think we need to call them explicit trust systems. I'd be much. I, I think they both sailed, um, but I think actually one of the things that I I really enjoyed about going into the uh into into detail in the book is how you can start creating these trust relationships and have some real um trust in them and and it comes down always to the hardware you just can't mm-hmm. um you have to trust the hardware at some point there's a great story by uh by ken thompson um, mm-hmm. Which I, I'm, I'm not going to tell now, but you need you need to don't need to read the book. It's it's available everywhere. It's called uh, what's it about? Um, reflections on trusting trust. Reflections on trusting trust. There we go. Yes, thank you. Um, and he says basically, you know, if you can't be sure of 
you can't be sure of the, your machine if you can't be sure of the compiler. And if you can't be sure of the compiler, unless you wrote the compiler, and you can't be, and it's just it just yeah, goes right. down and down. Turtles, all the, turtles way down. all the way down, right? And and but the point is, at some point, you have to start trusting something, and it has to be hardware. Um, which, of course, means that you have to have a trust relationship with the people who made the hardware. But at least you can do that. You can work out how to do that offline. Mm-hmm. If you say online in real time, the thing I trust is this p- particular thing, things start getting interesting. Mm-hmm. And you can do that. There's a number of you know roots of trust that we can talk about. The classic one is the TPM. Um, mm-hmm. which is, is very good for, for certain things. Um, and then there is HSMs, hardware security modules, also good for stuff. The other thing that I think is really interesting, and, and you mentioned that we had a talk about this uh, uh, a couple of uh, episodes ago, um, is, is trusted execution environments. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, um, again, they provide a route of trust, a way for you to know where you're starting off and to build from primitives up. And I think that's the thing. If you can build from primitives with good definitions of what you're building, you've got half a chance to make something which uh, allows you to build a trust fabric, understand your risk profile, and um, to build something which has explicit trust. So I I honestly think that you know T is a great way to be building what we currently call zero trust systems. They're brilliant primitive for that. Combine them with TPMs maybe for certain use cases, combine with HSMs for certain use cases as well. But we need to work on these uh, hard replicas and know what they're good for and what they aren't. And that's the sort of thing that you know cryptographers have spent ages looking mm-hmm. at you know primitives. And I think these hardware primitives are where we can start building trust alongside those crypto primitives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds to me like it's going from I trust something as something that's very subjective to something that's mm-hmm. objectively measurable. Hopefully, yes. That's exactly where I think we need to be. If we're going to be – now, if you're building a national security um, you know, system or uh, something for critical infrastructure or banking or healthcare or pharmaceutical, why would you not do that, right? That, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's vital. You, this is people's lives, their credit scores, their money, you know, uh, their their health and their safety. This is what we as an industry need to do. We need to be explicit and say, these are the bits that we're sure of. These are the bits we're less sure about. That's where we put spend more time, more attention. Mm-hmm. I think it's what security is about. And if we can't talk about it, we can't design it. If we can't design it, we can't be sure about it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. So it well, how do you tie... So tying back to the uh, the previous episode where we we're talking about confidential mm-hmm. computing, how does trust and confidential computing play together? Well, one of the things that you can do if you build uh, from the primitives uh, into a trusted execution environment is say, uh, well, they, they call trusted execution environments because what you can do is you can do attestation. I think we talked a bit about attestation mm-hmm. last time. Is that you can take cryptographic um, v- um, measurements of a trust execution environment, which is a basically a block of uh, memory pages, set of memory pages, um, and check that they are protected in the way you think they are by the hardware you think they are. So you're taking it down to the hardware. You're checking against the hardware. And that means that you can then start building up these islands, if you will, in the stream where you trust and where you can they can talk to each other. You can step from one to the other. 
And the other really interesting thing from my point of view about, about trust execution environments is that we, we have uh, these kind of things we call trust domains. We don't always think of them explicitly, although if you talk to people in national security or banking, they sometimes do, uh, trust domains. And basically, if you think of a trust domain as a set of systems which uh, share the same security policies, I go into a lot of detail in the book, I won't do it mm-hmm. now, but basically you've got a set of these things which which share the, share the same security uh, policies. So, and you say, okay, typically you used to think, well, we put a bunch of those behind a firewall, right? Mm-hmm. No one believes in firewalls anymore, mm-hmm. or not 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 enough. And even air gapping, you know, you kind of worry about these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so particularly if you want to talk to anything else. So what a, what trusted execution environments allow you to do is to say, I'm going to take something which is in a different trust domain at the moment. Let's say my trust domain currently is my on-premises hardware, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a something on a on a CSP on Azure or AWS or GCP or uh, Equinix or OVH. Mm-hmm. Um, and say, what I can do is take some computing uh, resources and actually bring them into my trust domain. I can I can be assured that they are part of that because of um, the way we use roots of trust. Again, it's... It, I go to it in some detail in the book, but it's a hugely different way of thinking of things. So suddenly you can you can build a trust fabric mm-hmm. by taking bits and pieces from other places and have trust in the assurances. So you can you can take it you know step by step by step by step all the way down to that bottom turtle. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. last thing you can build things which you couldn't build before. And and that is why I'm really excited about it. Nice. Nice. So what if we tie this into like the NARC's work that you're doing with Profian and and how how does that all map in? Well, that's that's exactly what we're trying to do. We uh, we allow you to create what we call keeps of trusted execution environments. We we provide the attestation capabilities for you. Um, everything is open source, so you can check. We're using Rust. Um, and so you can check that all the compilers are open source. Um, and so we want to make it as open as possible. And we allow you to do exactly this. We're about building those trust fabrics. That's, uh, that's our whole, whole raison d'etre. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this is awesome. A lot to, a lot to soak in. Um, if, uh, did did, did the, anybody pick up the movie rights for your book yet? They they haven't yet, and I've I've retained them. Actually, I was very careful in the uh, in the contract to retain uh, the movie rights. So so far, not yet. But you know, it's uh, it's only been out for uh, under twelve months. So you know, I'm still hopeful. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Who who do you want to play you in the movie? Oh, Idris Elba. Every, okay. every time, uh, he's just just genius. He's a little bit older than me, but I can live with that. He's a, yeah. a consummate actor, and uh, I like to think we have a lot in common. Although my wife disagrees, sadly, but you know, yeah. well, it's her loss. Um, so, what <laughs> what about your brother and sister? Who who would play them? I I would have thought probably uh, you and Gunner, but I I'm open to other op- options. Okay. I don't know who gets to be the brother, who gets to be the sister, but that, that sounds fair, right? right. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. And we work cheap. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, that sounds like a deal. And so, <laughs> all right. So we covered a lot here. Um, it, it, for to people to get the, the show notes um, and all that stuff, uh, where do we need to send them? What, what's your uh, homepage? Oh, I, 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 do I need to say HTTPS? I'm going to HTTPS colon slash slash dgshow.org. 
And uh, of course, ggshow.org at ggshow.org um, for, for tw- the Twitterati. Uh, those mm-hmm. people are into that. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a large uh, Instagram and TikTok following yet? Or is no, that, no, uh, is no. Is that coming? Okay. No, we need more interns. Yeah, you need more interns. So you, we always need more interns. Uh, can you trust them, though, is, of course, the uh, the big question yeah, you need to ask. No, exactly. Off, probably can't. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, this is this is great, Mike. And and thanks for coming in to do this follow-up. I, seriously, uh, awesome job with the book, and I hope everybody picks it up. It's It was really, I, it was in, cover to cover. It was enjoyable. So thanks for taking the time to do it. Thank you. Well, my very favorite um, uh reference was to Horrible Histories, which is a kid's TV show. So I'm very, very proud of that. So look out for that one as you're reading through. Okay. All right. I will. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. And we'll catch everybody next time. See you around. Thanks a lot. Bye, Ghana. Bye, Dave.